uh, we are, this is part three of a series called Crossing Over, and uh, we crossed over in the middle of the series. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to complete the series, and then we're going to go into our uh, grand opening services. But before, you know, we, st- we knew we were coming in on the 21st, but we didn't want to do grand opening services immediately. Yeah. We wanted to take some time yeah. for us to yeah. come together yeah. and uh, set our hearts, our minds, our expectation, and focus our hearts and minds on what God has done, yeah. what God is doing, yeah. and what God is getting ready to do. The word of the Lord comes to us this morning out of Joshua chapter 4, just three verses, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to read them from the New International Version of the Bible this morning. Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. This is what it says. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? The title of my message this morning is, what do these stones mean? (laughs) Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, speak to us today by the power of your word and spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about this epic event that the Israelites experienced that we call the crossing over. This was actually their second crossing over, as we've learned. The first was when they came out of Egypt and they had to cross over the Red Sea. But when they crossed over the Red Sea, God parted the waters for them before anybody had to even take a step in. God worked the miracle, and then they walked through. But here, God did it differently. He said, no, I need the priests to step into the waters before I work the miracle. You see, there's a difference between when you come out of Egypt and when you enter into your promised land. There's a difference between when God brings you out of darkness and into the light when he brings you out of your life outside of him and into your life inside of him, and when he brings you into your destiny in him. Those are two different seasons, two different methods. In the first method, you don't do anything to help. You didn't get up on the cross and die a little bit with Jesus. He doesn't make you suffer a little bit for your sins. He doesn't make you pay the price for your salvation. He never came to them in Egypt and said, here's the law, keep this law, repent of every way you broke the law, and then maybe I'll let you out of Egypt when you're good enough. No, 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 no. He brought them out of Egypt on eagle's wings. He delivered them. He saved them. He healed them. He restored them. He broke the devil off of their backs. He destroyed the enemy from before their face. Then he took them to the mountain and said, now that I have saved you, now that I have brought you out, you shall have no other other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not worship them. That's why you should never talk to your unbelieving friends about their sins and tell them to stop sinning when they haven't found Jesus. They ain't got a reason to stop sinning. He saves you first. But when it came to entering into their promised land and crossing over the Jordan, 
It's completely different now. Yeah. Now you've got to participate in the miracle. Yeah. Now it, this requires some intentionality on your part. Okay. And so we talked about how the soles of the priest's feet touched the waters, and all the priests entered the waters. They had to stand against the current, carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. But once they got into the waters, the miracle happened. The waters stopped, and the people of Israel crossed over on dry ground. Now here we are in chapter 4, on the other side of the Jordan. God speaks to Joshua and says, tell the priests not to come out yet. Because the priests were just waiting once everybody gets through, finally we get to come out of the Jordan and put this thing down because we be tired. How tired do you think you would be standing in the Jordan while 1.5 million people crossed over and the priests had to stand in one place carrying the weight, bearing the burden of the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders? I bet they were tired. I bet they couldn't wait till it was done. And when the last person finally came over, you think the priests are going to rush out of the river, put down that Ark, and go soak in some Epsom salt or something. But God speaks to Joshua and says, tell the priest, not yet. We're not done yet. Joshua says, priest, hold on a second. The Lord's talking to me. And the Lord said, there's a problem here. The problem is that this moment is going to pass. And these people are going to forget. This moment is going to pass, and these people are going to forget what I did here. And then they're going to have children who are ignorant. Children who don't know what I did here today. And then those children are going to have children who are even more ignorant. It's kind of like, you know, we've got some first-generation Koreans in our church who came from South Korea as adults. And then we've got some 1.5 generation Koreans who came as little children, like my wife. She was 11 years old when she came from Korea. But then we've got second generation Koreans who were born here in the United States. The first generation Koreans, they speak the language fluently. The second generation Koreans understand the language but can't speak it back. The third generation can neither understand it nor speak it back. Unless... Something is created to facilitate the transmission of the memory of the language, of the culture, of where we've been, of where we came from. There's got to be something that facilitates the transmission of the memory of what I've done here, Joshua. And the priests are standing in the water, but they can't come out just because the people have passed by. They can't come out until the memorial is established. There's got to be a memorial, Joshua. So choose 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and you tell them to go back into the river and to get a stone. Go back into the river and not just some little rock. Tell them to find the biggest stones they could find. you got to understand that this river had stopped, that the ground was dry, but that there were huge stones in that river. Get, you get the strongest men that you can find, Joshua. Each of them, have them pick up a stone. And bring it back over to where you guys are lodging tonight. So Joshua says, priests, you stay right there. Twelve men. And he calls out twelve biggest, strongest men, one from each of the tribes. I need y'all twelve to go down into that river and pick up a stone and bring it back out. So all twelve of them, they go down and they pick up stones. They put them on their shoulders and they come back out of the Jordan. And the priests are thinking, 
Finally, now we could come out. But Joshua's like, wait, 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 stay there, priest. So now the 12 stones are in the residence, in the lodging, on the other side. And Joshua just doesn't feel right in his spirit. It's like there's something else that God wants to say, something else that God wants to do, something else that God wants to establish. And suddenly Joshua realizes what it is. He calls those 12 men back together. He says, pick up those 12 stones. Go back into the river and stack those stones one on top of another right at the place where the feet of the priests are standing. Right next to the feet of the priests, I want a stone memorial. And so the men, they go down and they start stacking the stones. In the middle of the river, they build a memorial. And once the memorial is established in the river, in the place where God did the miracle, in the river, in the place where the feet of the priest stood, in the river, when the memorial was established in the river, God spoke to Joshua and said, now tell those priests to come on up out. Because the priests are no longer standing there, but the memorial is there. And the priests came out. And then the waters returned, but the memorial stood. And God said to Joshua, let me tell you why that memorial is important. Because in the future, your children are going to ask, what did those stones mean? How did those stones get there? How could somebody enter this rushing river and set up a, a, a pile of stones that high? How is that even possible? And because they see the memorial, the stones, they're going to know that some priests stood in that place. And when the priests stood in that place, God parted the waters. The stones are a tool or a sign that give you an opportunity to tell the story of what God has done. The stones give you an opportunity to share the testimony of what God has done. You know what this place is? It's just a pile of stones. That's all it is. That's all a building is. It's just a pile of stones. And when we look at this place, we got to stop and ask ourselves, what do these stones mean? Because we got to stop and and make sure that we understand from day one what these stones do not mean. These stones do not mean that you can't connect with God except inside these stones. Mm -mm. This is actually not a church. When Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, he wasn't talking about a building like this. He didn't say, I'm going to go around the planet erecting buildings. No, 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 no. His church is a people. The word church comes from the Greek ekklesia, which means called out assembly. You are the church. So what do these stones mean? So why the building? If the building is not the church, if you are the church... Why is the building important? The building is important because it's a memorial. It's a memorial. 
It's a memorial of what God has done. Of the fact that he made a way out of no way. Of the fact that he opened doors that we could not see. That when the devil said no, God said yes. That when future generations ask, how'd you get that place? I got a story to tell. (laughs) I got a story to tell. Because some priests stood in the water of the Jordan. Some of the priests have been standing in this water for 18 years. Memorial. A means of remembrance. That's what God told Joshua. These stones are going to be a means of remembrance. They're going to facilitate the remembrance of what I did for you. Set these stones up and don't ever let those stones be moved because that remembrance, that memorial must remain. God is always looking for a memorial. You remember Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and then took the cup and passed it. And what did he say? Do this in remembrance of me. This bread and this wine, it's a memorial. It's a a means of remembrance. It's not about the cracker. It's not about the juice. The juice and the cracker are a memorial. So when you take the cracker and you take the juice, you remember. But actually, I got to correct something. The building is actually not the memorial. God is looking for stones, but the kind of stones he's looking for are not brick and mortar stones. There's actually stones on the inside of these stones that are the real memorial. You see, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone... Chosen by God, but rejected by men. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him. So you also, as living stones, are being fitted together. A spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are the memorial. You are the stones. And it's in the fitting together of those stones that the memorial, it's not just scattered stones, but it's stones fit together, stacked together, piled together from different tribes. It wasn't just Judah. It wasn't just Benjamin. It wasn't just Levi. It wasn't, it, it was all of the stones, all of the tribes, all, every tribe gets a stone. There's Korean stones and there's, there's black stones and white stones and Latin stones. We need all kinds of stones in this memorial. And the enemy will lie to you and tell you your stone isn't important. Your stone is just as important. Your stone is absolutely important. Your stone is necessary for this memorial. But they got to be fitted together. 
You are a marvel to the nations that people would say, how could there be a church with every kind of person imaginable? How could there be a church with every color imaginable? How could the church be the, the song? It's like the song was written for this church, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. It's because of what God has done. Not because of what I've done. People ask me, what did you do to make your church multi-ethnic? Uh, we opened it. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question, but what I can say is God did it. But God, that we'll never be able to look back and say, it's not a memorial to our greatness or our anointing or our power or our wisdom or our understanding. It's a memorial of what God has done. Hallelujah. That word memorial. It's so important. I was reading in Mark chapter 10, uh, Mark chapter 14. I believe it is where Jesus is at the temple standing by the offering buckets, just watching. And the disciples are like, Lord, what are we doing here? He's like, watch. He knew what he was looking for. They thought he was watching to make sure everybody paid their tithes. By the way, the concept of paying your tithes, I wish I could remove that from the, the, the vocabulary of every believer. The tithe is not a payment. It's something I offer God freely. It's a joy. I pay my rent. I don't pay my tithe. <laughs> I give my tithe. I give my tithe with joy. But that's not what this message is about. Because Jesus wasn't standing there making sure everybody paid their tithe. That's not what he was looking for. He knew what was getting ready to happen. So he takes his disciples to the temple, and they stand by. Imagine, 13 guys standing by the offering bucket, just, just watching. And some Pharisees came through excited that they had an audience pulling big wads of cash, standing over the offering bucket, making it rain. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory. (laughs) Oh, I think I got a bar of gold over here. Glory. (laughs) Got some silver, too. You see this? Watch this. Watch this. At first, the disciples are like, wow. Jesus is like, no, we're not there for them. Ain't nobody even looking at them. Jesus is yawning. (sighs) Then here comes this little old bent over lady with a walking stick. Poor as she could be. Jesus says, watch. Watch this, guys. She looks around to make sure nobody's watching her. Jesus and his disciples, they just go. Jesus goes, look, watch, watch, watch. And she comes up, hoping nobody sees her because she's so embarrassed. She drops in one little coin that might have been the value of a nickel. And then she walks off. And Jesus stands up and draws everyone's attention to this woman. Do you see what this woman has done? She's so embarrassed. She's thinking he's, she's, get, she's about to be called out. She's about to be called a miserable, pitiful wretch. 
She's about to be told that her offering is not good enough because it's not as much as what somebody else gave. And Jesus looks at these Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law in their fine robes and fine garments who just got finished making it rain over the offering box. And Jesus says, this woman gave more than all of y'all. Because all of you gave out of your riches. But this woman out of her poverty, she just gave all she had. She just gave her last nickel. That was all she had. And then Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. That wherever in the world this gospel is preached, what this woman just did will be told as a memorial. (laughs) The memorial is what you give. Even what you give in secret, because in actuality, the memorial is before God before it's before men. One more. Acts chapter 10. There's this Roman centurion, Roman soldier named Cornelius. He's not Jewish. He's not, he's not a believer. But he's what they called a God-fearer. Yeah. It meant he was an outsider who knew God was real. Right. An outsider who knew he was going to have to deal with God one day. Right. An outsider who wanted to do whatever he could to somehow show God that he wanted to know him and he wanted to serve him. So he did a couple things. One, he prayed every day. But two, he gave generously to the house of God. And one day in prayer in Acts chapter 10, an angel appears to him. And the angel says, Cornelius, don't be afraid. See, he was scared to death because in those days, if you saw an angel of the Lord... It meant you were about to die. That's what they believed. So throughout scripture, actually, you see the angel of the Lord saying, don't be afraid, because every time he appears, oh, Lord, I'm about to die. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) What I do? I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, the angel says, don't be afraid. Your giving has gone up as a memorial before God. You hear what he says? God can't forget you. God can't get you off his mind. Not a memorial before people, but a memorial before God. God can't forget you. God can't get you out of his mind. Why? Because you just keep giving. You just keep serving. You just keep honoring him, and he can't forget you. And you do it secretly, but he sees it. It's a memorial. You know what? Y'all did something. You guys are amazing, all of you. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm saying, this, that I'm saying this to establish the testimony of the fact that we're here because you are a memorial. You know, when we were getting ready to start this project and we realized what it was going to cost, we had a consultant come in and look at our books and look at our congregation and look at our operation. And he said, you know what? Number one, I don't get how... The average giver in your church gives way above the national average. And secondly, the number of the the number of the percentage of givers in your church is way above the national average. I don't know how you're going to be able to do a campaign. Your people are already giving at their very best. And you know what? (laughs) 
What's crazy is that 2020, 2019 was the first year that as a congregation, we gave a million dollars to the Lord. Wow. 2019. But when we started the building campaign in 2020, it was the first year we gave $2 million to the Lord. So many of you did it secretly. You'll never tell anybody. You never asked for your name to be written anywhere. Never asked for a seat with your name on it. That's my seat. (laughs) Never asked for a walkway with your name paved in it. Never asked for a wall with your name. You didn't ask for a memorial. You didn't even ask for voting rights. You didn't ask for influence over the colors in the sanctuary. You didn't see it as an opportunity to gain power or influence. You just did it quietly. And this is what the Lord says to you. I'll never forget you. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. It's a memorial. But it's a memorial in heaven. Because honestly, the memorial in heaven is so much more important than than the memorial on earth. And you know what I thought of so many over the years? Who gave, not just the people who are with us now, but people who were with us. I talked to Dele last night. He was with us 15 years ago, 17 years ago. And I said, bro, you got to come see this because this is your inheritance too. You gave so sacrificially. You gave so faithfully. You sowed into this 15 years ago. You were giving to the building fund. And now God has done it. It's a memorial. But you know what? In heaven, your name is already written on that memorial. And I think of people who sowed in different ways. Yeah. Even Mickey Cho. Yeah. Pastor Mickey Cho fasted for an entire year for God to give us a building. And not only did he fast for an entire year, but he inspired others around him to fast. And so many in the house fasted. And this was back in what, 2000, 2013, 14, 15? Yeah. And look what God has done seven, eight years later. Yeah. Yeah. This is his inheritance too. Yeah. This place is here, and we're here because of the feet of the priests who stood. Beth, this is your inheritance too. Joey, this is your inheritance too. You stood in this place. You served for so many years. This is yours. This is yours. The memorial, the testimony has been established. Many are going to come and they're going to know the Lord, the God of Israel. They're going to experience his presence. Why? Because now we have a memorial. Some of you are just joining us now. We haven't even done the grand opening, but some of you are new here already today. We say to you, welcome. This is for you. That's why we did this. Some of you have just joined us in less than the last year. We say, welcome. This is for you. 
We did this so you would come. Now you get to build your memorial in this place. But the one thing that God wants all of you to know is your service to the Lord, your giving to him, will never be forgotten. Never. Not a single one of you gave in vain, served in vain, struggled in vain. The sacrifices, I could go on and on about so many of you. Chen Wei. I'm not trying to call you out for, for, she had to tip out real quick. (laughs) Put up that one finger. No. She's getting ready to come back to the platform. You know, our worship team was up here singing today. You know, they've been here the whole weekend. I don't think, I don't even think the Venables went home last night. I think they just slept on these seats. I mean, their house is out like how many hours away anyway. I'm just kidding. But I remember Chen Wei leading worship while greatly with child on multiple occasions for multiple children. I mean, not at the same time, but I mean, multiple seasons. Up here, just leading worship, serving the Lord like this. 16 months pregnant, still up here, just leading worship. you were to see the hands of Jesus, you would see nail prints. If you were to see the side of Jesus, you would see the place where the spear pierced his side. And the question is, why has he not healed himself of those? They're a memorial so that you never forget when you see him you're going to see the nail prints in his hands it's a memorial and because of that memorial our hearts say Jesus I'll never forget you I'll never forget what you did I heard a story years ago of a woman whose home caught fire And she ran through the flames to rescue her baby. She snatched her baby out of the crib and covered her. And then ran back through the flames and handed her baby to the fireman. But she was already engulfed in flames. And her face and head were badly disfigured because of the burns. As her daughter grew up, her daughter didn't know what had happened. All she knew was her mom was ugly. And as she got to junior high and she was playing basketball, she asked her mom not to go to her games because she didn't want to be embarrassed. But her mother couldn't stand to be apart from her child, so she wrapped herself up in a scarf and put on a coat with a hoodie, and she would go and sit at the back of, uh, right at the top of the bleachers, and she would not make any noise. She would just silently watch her daughter play. And then she would leave without saying a word. 
But one day it was a very important game and her excitement was building throughout the game. When her daughter's team finally won the game, she couldn't contain it anymore. And she jumped from her spot and she began to scream and cheer for her daughter. But the scarf came off and the hood fell off. And all of her friends saw her mother cheering for her and they laughed and they jeered. The little girl went home that night and she wept. And she told her mother, how could you? I begged you not to come. And her mother smiled and said, do you know why I look the way you look, the way I look? And she said, no, I don't. She said, when you were a baby, I ran through the flames to save your life. That's why I look the way I look. And all of a sudden, the little girl looked at her mother and tears filled her eyes. She said, Mommy, you're the most beautiful mommy I've ever seen before in my life. Please come to all of my games. Her scars were a memorial of how much she loved her daughter. You know, some of you here today, you bear the scars of your love for Jesus. That in your love for Jesus, in your service to him, you've incurred wounds that just don't seem to heal. And what Jesus wants you to know today is he also has scars that are a memorial of his love for you. That he could have healed those wounds, but he didn't. He kept them. It's a memorial. It's a memorial. Standing here in this place, I could tell you about my scars. If I invited you up here, many of you, you could tell me about your scars. But when you understand that those scars, that that memorial that you bear in your body, that you bear in your heart, that you bear in your mind, it's a testimony of love. Any woman in here who's had a child, you've got some scars on your body that's a memorial of how much you love that child. Your body will never be the same, but you don't care because you got to bring this child into the world. And the word of the Lord teaching every one of us is, I am a memorial to you, Jesus. He is a memorial to us. The nails in his hands and feet are a memorial of the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what God also wants you to know is you are a memorial. The wounds that you have incurred are a memorial to him. And it wasn't in vain. And he will not forget. I'm going to bear these scars. And I'm going to bear them with joy. Because one day a future generation is going to ask me, what do these stones mean? Mommy, what do these stretch marks mean? What does this scar mean? 
what do these stones mean? I'll tell you what the stones mean. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning. I want my life to be a memorial to the fact that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning. Your life is a testimony and a memorial to the fact that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning morning. Come on, stand up on your feet and just lift up your hands and just begin to give him glory. Just begin to give him praise. Come on, open your mouth and give him the fruit of your lips.